leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools, and data that help power their emerging markets business strategies. My name is Mark McNamee, and I'm the practice leader for Europe here in our London office, and I'll be moderating today's podcast. Today we'll discuss Brexit with our analysts covering Western Europe, Athanasia Kukinoyeni, who has recently published the Brexit scenarios and impacts on MNC's report. As a reminder, this report, as well as the rest of our content and reports, is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. So let's begin here, Athanasia. Um, Brexit, of course, has been an unprecedented event that has shaken the Western world. Um, it will naturally be increasing the cost of doing business in the UK and in Western Europe in general. Um, MNCs are naturally you know, at least a bit confused about what exactly Brexit means for their business and what they should be tracking, what they should be preparing for. Um, it it kind of throws a, you know, a, a wrench into their business plans for what had previously been such a clearly, you know, stable and steady and, and high uh, opportunity market, right? So, Athanasio, that said, uh, why should our clients be reading the Brexit report? Thank you, Mark. So what our Brexit research does is that it filters all the noise out there about Brexit for multinational companies, and we bring to our clients just that. Yes, the environment is very fluid around Brexit because actually the UK government and the EU don't share details on their negotiations and also their negotiation strategy with the public. However, we don't believe that companies will have much more clarity in the next months or in, even in the next couple of years, to be honest. Um, moreover, it might be too late for them to actually activate their business plans by the time they feel fully confident about the information out there especially um, plans around changes in supply chain and regulations. It might be very late for them to activate those as well. Particularly with this report, we help multinationals to understand what is the most likely outcome for Brexit, both in the short term and in the medium term, but also the impact to their business in a very structured, simple, but also sophisticated and quantified, if we can say, way that is easy to track. And report is just about that. And I reassure you that there isn't out there any other piece like that. Right, and I can confirm that. Uh, in light of our research and, and knowledge of what our competitors are doing and what banks have released and things like this, um, this is really the most uh, sort of appropriate type of report, specifically for businesses, so they can truly understand um, sort of what uh, they can expect uh, going forward. So um, with that said, uh, Athanasia, um, for our clients to sort of properly prepare for Brexit, they clearly need to know first, of course, what to be preparing for. So what is our base case assumption for Brexit? So, Mark, for Brexit, we assume a transitional deal between the EU and the UK until at least December 2020. 
This actually means no short-term disruptions for multinational companies, and that is actually positive news for them. After the end of the transitional deal, however, our clients should expect uh, uh, some relative disruption and a free trade agreement type of deal between um, the EU and the UK. And this will be outside the EFTA or the EEA uh, structures. Um, and it will be most likely enhanced from many previously negotiated FTAs. In other words, uh, the trade deal between the EU and the UK is likely to look most mostly uh, like a Canada Plus deal, as it's called, and not like Norway or Switzerland. Let me just stop you there. So just for clarity, because you threw out some acronyms there. Um, so more like Canada Plus, so that would be the free trade agreement, the FTA that you're getting at. And then Norway and Switzerland, so then these would fall under the EFTA or EEA. So... The EFTA would be which? So the EFTA is the Switzerland model deal, mm -hmm. and the EEA is the Norway-style right. deal. Okay, so the EEA, the European Economic Agreement, uh, agre agreement would be Norway-style, and this would be roughly the closest you can get to remaining in the EU without being in the EU. Exactly. Right. Okay, great. Sorry to interrupt. Please go on. Um, so what we can expect from the negotiations. So the UK is likely to win, uh, let's say, um, to for the EU to allow some, some migration controls. That's why Brexit happened, right? Um, but uh, on the, in the risk of losing access to services, to trade in services, particularly legal and financial services are the most vulnerable areas of trade between the EU and the UK in this FTA agreement because actually um, the nature of the sectors is that they require increased local licenses for operating. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what about uh, trade deals with third countries? So the UK is likely to get uh, Uh, th um, trade deals with third countries uh, by actually grandfathering the existing ones that it has with the EU to a large extent. But uh, negotiations will be further necessary, particularly for the trade in services. And an important point there is that all these third-party agreements will require EU's consent. Another important point um, is that most likely this FTA would include a bilateral customs deal with the EU. And that's actually the only condition that we can see in order for us not to see a border between the UK and the Republic of Ireland. And I know Theresa May has, has made that a sticking point, saying that we are going to be leaving the current customs union with the European Union, uh, and then be forming a completely new one uh, after the transitional period um, with the EU. And then, of course, that would, they have to sort of uh, deal with that, that border issue, which maybe that helps resolve that uh, over the course of years. So... Okay, so obviously, and there's a lot of issues with timelines here as well, of course. So uh, let's just start with that, this transitional deal that you mentioned. Uh, can the transitional deal be further extended then beyond that uh, December 2020, as you just mentioned? 
Yeah. So this is possible if there are delays in negotiations for the new trade deals. However, we have to keep in mind that the transitional deal will, uh, to extend the transitional deal, will be um, a politically sensitive attempt. Um, and also, we should have in mind that the general elections are in 2021, when actually the transitional deal should expire. So extending the transitional deal will be purely a political decision. Okay, so obviously this moves us into the realm of politics here. Um, so with general elections in 2021, uh, can we say then uh, with all of the probably damage that might be done to the Tory party in the coming years uh, as a result of this, would you say that we would even expect maybe a Labour government come 2021 in those elections? We certainly expect that the Conservative Party popularity will further weaken until 2021 um, because of the uh, uh, Brexit negotiations. And uh, this means that, yes, a Labour government or a Labour-led coalition is possible in 2021. Okay. Interesting. I mean, this, this seemed almost impossible in the last, say, two years. But, uh, yes, an increasing likelihood, clearly, uh, in the coming in the next couple of years here. Um, okay, well, then let's take this another step, then. If we think the Tory party is going to weaken from this, uh, there'll be you know some economic fallout from this. This could even mean a Labour Party victory. Does this mean Brexit would be or could be cancelled? So, not exactly. So, the Labour Party has repeatedly stated that they wouldn't want to reverse or cancel Brexit, as you say. Um, the Labour Party um, has highlighted that they will respect the public ma mandate that they got in um, June uh, 2016 for the UK to leave the EU. Okay. But if they wanted to cancel Brexit... Uh, could they, in fact, cancel Brexit? Yeah, so in legal terms, yes. Uh, it is possible. They could reverse Brexit, as we say, uh, in better ter terms. Uh, but it's very unlikely they would do that. Mm -hmm. The British people have asked for it, and no party would ignore this um, mandate. I'm sorry to repeat that, but it's actually important uh, for us to have in mind. So let's, uh, let's see how Brexit reversed will look like. A new government could be a Labour-led government, as we mentioned before, would issue a new Brexit bill that cancels the current bill, the EU withdrawal from, um, from the EU bill, and uh, it should be uh, voted with a majority in Westminster. As a second step, the European Parliament would have to ratify uh, this new uh, deal that cancels Brexit, and this would reverse Article 50. Right. Okay. So there is a clearly legal process that could be undertaken to get there. Uh, it still is extremely unlikely from where we're sitting today, so I think we should reiterate that. Uh, but you'd have to see a pretty significant um, uh, economic and political uh, change, changing dynamics in order to bring this about. So uh, b before we get to that side of things with the UK, why would European officials themselves do that, though, and allow the UK to reverse Brexit? Yeah, so allowing the UK to reverse Brexit would actually be a very good response to Euroscepticism across the Eurozone and populism as mm -hmm. well. Right, so it helped maybe contain some of that 
that rising Euroscepticism and populism. Of course. Yeah, to an extent. Okay. Um, understood. So um, why don't you think, though, moving towards the other end, you had mentioned the EEA, the EFTA. Uh, why don't you think the EU-UK negotiations would eventually sort of land the UK economy in that type of agreement, which would be really, I guess we, we would qualify that as being, you know, very soft Brexit, right? Yeah. Uh, so this is a very valid question, and lots of our clients are asking this question. So once the UK agrees to an EEA or EFTA type of agreement, so Norway or Swiss uh, type of model, the, the UK government won't be able to control migration anymore. So the only way for the UK government to end uh, with a softer Brexit is if it abandons the mandate on migration control. Right. And, and that's interesting. And especially in the last couple of months, we've actually heard some Brexiteer, the leading Brexiteers, people who've been calling for the referendum and outspoken about their support for Brexit, actually sort of backtracking a bit, interestingly, uh, on their, uh, their sort of stipulation that adherence to um, uh, ensuring that there would be quotas or some sort of migration control. So uh, that, that kind of makes sense that, you know, and then we've moved some of our scenarios, the likelihood of, of a softer Brexit in light of those comments. But um, nonetheless, okay, more, more proactively for corporations in light of what we're anticipating for Brexit, uh, what should companies be doing then, preparing for in the next few months here? Um, you know, and, and what then more strategically in the longer term in the next, say, two plus years as we actually move into the transitional deal and then maybe a, a second transitional deal or ultimately into that free trade agreement that you described? So first we have to define the time horizon. So we have the short-term impact and the mid-term impact, as you mentioned. So multinational companies should assess the impact of Brexit for the short-term horizon, firstly on their supply chains and um, on the foreign exchange exposure. Uh, in the medium term, they can assess their exposure as a company on EU stuff, on changes in regulation that could happen with Brexit, or with on an increase in tariffs or non-tariff barriers for their products or services. Um, MNCs will find valuable to work out what the base case means for their business, what we described before, but also a downside scenario or a no-deal scenario, as we call it, uh, that would have a tremendous impact on their, on their operations and it makes sense for them uh, to be prepared. And uh, they could do that by putting in place customized contingency plans. These plans uh, will help them mitigate the risks of Brexit, but also will be a very useful tool to align views with her headquarters. We also have to keep in mind that the UK and Western Europe are very large markets and very important markets to dismiss, and that's why multinationals are advised to accelerate planning for Brexit. Okay, uh, understood. So last question would be then, uh, looking at Brexit then with these scenarios, which industries would be most affected by Brexit? So you know, negatively or positively, but I anticipate your answer would be um, <laughs> mostly negative. So yes, it's mostly negative, uh, negative impact. So the sectors that have a high trade 
uh, and or um, high EU staff uh, exposure will be very much affected from Brexit and the new trade deal. Some uh, examples of these uh, sectors are the food and beverage industry, hospitality industry, but also industrials. Particularly for the services sector, is likely to be very much impacted by the new trade deal as services as a component are likely to be included in the free trade agreement, as we mentioned. Moreover, the uh, business to consumer sector would fa could face some increased tariffs to products. Additionally, uh, the healthcare, sec healthcare sector will be very vulnerable to possible regulatory changes that will come in the next years or so. Right. <clears throat> okay. Uh, good. Thank you very much for that, Athanasia. Very helpful. Uh, I think this gives us at least our clients a, a rough sketch of what to be expecting and planning for. Of course, they can, as you mentioned, uh, find uh, in uh, in-depth analysis uh, in the Brexit Scenarios report, which we recently published here. Um, so as a reminder to our clients, uh, they have access to that report, but also can speak with Athanasia, myself, or any of uh, the other FSG analysts, uh, whether it's about Brexit or any of the other business needs in any other region of the world, uh, simply by reaching out via your client relationship manager directly. You can also access FSG's reports on Western Europe, on Brexit, and our monthly monitor uh, reports on our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. This concludes our podcast. Thank you for your time. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance in your emerging and developed markets.